Come and dream with me. Hello and welcome to What Do You Want to Watch, the Exposure Network's premier media podcast. Every fortnight we get together to talk about movies, TV, and online content. Help you answer the question, was there any chance TJ Miller was actually going to work with Ryan Reynolds ever again? I don't think so. I'm your host, Ashley Hobley. Join me today, Dylan Black. No, and we didn't want him to. Yeah. Just just working in general, I think, was more of... It should have been something he was more concerned about. That was about. a stupid story. Uh, I was like, what the fuck kind of story is this? They're like, hey guys, TJ, <laughs> TJ Miller says he won't work with Ryan Reynolds. I'm like, Ryan Reynolds is literally like, who the fuck said I was going to work with him? <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, what a dumb story. Yeah. Uh, all because he made a mean joke during Deadpool 2, apparently. Really? Yeah. There's a, apparently did a, he asked to do a take where he says to Weasel, you know, the good thing about you is you just come in and say enough exhibition so we can just move on with the movie or something along those lines. Good bit. He deserved it. Yeah. All right. On today's episode of What Do You Want to Watch, we'll be discussing what's in our watch history, talking about a little bit of film and TV news, giving you some thumbs for trailers and doing this week's top three. Uh, let's kick things off with some stuff we've covered elsewhere on the Explosion Network. Halloween Ends is the big movie of the week. Obviously, uh, the end of this trilogy of films by David Gordon Green, uh, starring uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, which, you know, it's four years after the events of Halloween Kills. Stuff happens (laughs) involving Laurie. Laurie's kind of moved on, but, you know, there's a new slate of murders happening in Haddonfield. Uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts on... Well, of course, we've got a spoiler cast up on the podcast feed already but dylan what do you think of halloween ends? evil died tonight in the cinema but tonight i mean several nights ago when we watched it um it's uh it's better than kills just uh it's like half a good movie it has some potentially good ideas uh with two storylines and i don't really can't really say more because look without spoiling it the film doesn't really advertise what its main what point is which i feel like that's fine that the trailer is very much like oh here's a halloween movie you're like okay sure it's gonna be more to this than just michael come back to kill people and there is but i feel like they sort of stretch two storylines thin and do need the one justice really when either one could have been better um if it got a little bit more time so um yeah, it comes out just being a mishmash of ideas and not being particularly good overall but um, still definitely not the worst Halloween movie we've ever had. They're definitely worst sequels from, you know, back in the eighties or sort of the, the later ends of the Halloween sequels sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, it's not, it's not great. I didn't hate it. Didn't love it. It was, it, it was fine. Yeah. I think it's a very, uh, misguided or, you know, not unfocused movie. It seems to be slightly going in a bunch of different directions trying to hit many different ideas and doesn't really commit to any of them or fully fleshes out any of them uh it's definitely not the mo- uh, most tension-filled halloween movie so far um i mean there's some okay kills but i don't think it's particularly if you're going into this expecting a violent horror movie then you're, you're going to be disappointed um it does definitely live on to the title but is it a fitting end to the series? I don't think so. So, yeah. Uh, if you've watched the movie, check it out, spoil the cast. Otherwise, you know, check it out when you do watch the movie. <laughs> uh, 
so a couple of series ended this week. Of course, uh, Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. We've been doing the Lord of the Rings Extended, a podcast in which we discuss everything Lord of the Rings. Uh, but the series has come to an end with its season finale, uh, with a bunch of crazy reveals at the end of the series. Dylan, you were sick, unable to talk about the, the season finale, but what are your thoughts on the season as a whole? Um, I feel like I was, like a lot of people, surprised with how good the entire show turned out to be. Um, I feel like it was, like, there was a lot of, you know, sort of trepidation going into it because it's a, you know, like, is it, are they just going to try and, like, do too much like the movies? Are they going to follow the P. Jackson playbook a little bit too hard? Like, how are they going to do their own thing and just it not turn out to be very good? I also feel like coming off, um, everyone was coming off not liking the last season of Game of Thrones and then coming into, like, both this and House of Dragons starting at the same time, there was, like, very much, like, two fantasy uh, TV series starting at the same time. Both the Game of Thrones spinoff and this, where everyone's sort of, like, coming and going, uh, I don't know, we'll see how it turns out. Um, but, yeah, overall, I, th- I think it turned out very well. There's a, a lot of new and exciting characters and storylines and elements that are thrown around in this first season all of which as far as i'm aware as not like a hardcore tolkien expert but at least as far as i'm aware at least playing around uh the setting guidelines i guess of which are set up in the tolkien universe um by the end of the season it's very much obvious that they're they're not like diverging entirely from what's laid out but they are sort of breaking the mold a little bit and doing their own thing, which I, I, I think is totally fine. It's not, they're not like doing anything crazy. They're just like, oh, let's, he, he said this character was here then, but let's just, you know, they're there. They're here, you know, a couple hundred years earlier, sort of thing. <laughs> you know, like they're doing all sorts of stuff like this. So, or, you know, all these other things, but um, obviously it's a very good setup, a uh, long storyline throughout the whole season. Lots of mystery boxes that I'm sure JJ Abrams would be very proud of um, if he'd been involved with it. But, um, yeah, very pretty, gorgeous show. Special effects looks great. The setting, it was all shot in New Zealand. Of course, looks really good as well. Gonna be interesting to see when season two comes out because apparently they're not gonna shoot that in New Zealand. So see how that plays out. Um, yeah, overall, I thought it was very good. Yeah, I really enjoyed the season as well. I think, you know, it's very, obviously very pretty. I think, uh, it definitely feels like Lord of the Rings, that high fantasy, uh, element. I think, uh, I think it, Morford Clark, who plays Galadriel, she's fantastic. Um, and yeah, obviously there's been some crazy moments that kind of uh, color the series, like the Lord of the Rings series. Um, and this final episode had a bunch of reveals that were quite interesting uh, and make me very excited for uh, season two and where that could lead uh, these characters in the future. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely, Rings of Power, definitely a recommend. Definitely check it out. Um, as long as you can put up with, you know, diversity, I guess, is the really barrier to people. Um, yeah. Uh, my question, seeing as you weren't on the episode, are you, are you, okay, are you glad you didn't take that bet? Um, no, because I feel like it's still a long road for if Cam wanted to get paid out. He wouldn't have got paid out. I would have, I would have said, nah, I, you're not, you're not getting paid out on a, on, on this. You know, I feel like, I feel like he would have still had to wait. He's still more confident. Oh, he's very confident. He messaged me. He's like, oh, I'm so sad. You're not going to be on here to record. As soon as he messaged me, the first message just simply said, have you watched the episode? And I'm laying in bed 
and I just stare at it for a second because I know what he I know what he wants to say. I know he just wants to try and rub in shit. So I just like stare at it for a minute and then just respond. Yes, I have watched the episode just to see if he'll jump straight into it. And he's like, "Blah, we're not in there." <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right. I, I made sure all to right. say that I, I can't remember exactly what my message said, but I was like, "It's all right." We, including you, as I said, we, the collective on that podcast, always had it right. That's exactly we always what I said it. on the latest episode of. That's good because I, that's Lord good because I haven't listened to it yet. So um, I said we always had it right, and then I believe he told me he said "fuck you" to me. Or something like that, but I don't know why. He, I don't like know you. why he would say that. So that's, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but yes, Lord of the Rings extended. Check out that podcast. Uh, meanwhile, over on all new Marvel cast, we've been covering She Hulk, which came to its season finale, uh, in which we've been following uh, Jennifer Walters, who got the powers of Hulk uh, and decided to deal with men, <laughs> man babies, internet haters this entire season. This is a show that predicted quite clearly what the reaction to the show would be uh, and made fun of it the entire way. A super fun meta comedy uh, that, you know, I feel like stuck the landing. Uh, Very funny, lots of fun characters, great cast. Tatiana Maslany, I think, should be nominated for an Emmy this year uh, for performance here. She's stellar the entire way through. Um... The fun thing I've been seeing these last few days is, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, like, of... I think Jamila... Jamil put up... Like, she has a, a lot video of it. Was it the... The, Char- the, the uh, table? To, the the ping-pong? Yeah. yeah. Of... Of John Pass playing ping-pong against Charlie Cox and the Daredevil outfit. <laughs> While Tim Roth and Mark Ruffalo were talking in the background. Uh, I just like amazing. the part where you hear Tim Roth walk past Mark Ruffalo say... He made you the expert. <laughs> so you yeah. in the background. That's fantastic. But yeah, Dylan, what are your thoughts on She-Hulk? I really liked it. I definitely feel like it's one of my favorite uh, Disney Plus Marvel series. Um, it was interesting recording all new Marvel cast because it was very obvious, like two, three episodes in that Kieran was like not interested in this series at all. It's not a coincidence that he didn't show up the last <laughs> yeah. three episodes. It was, right. it was definitely not a coincidence. And l- look... Kieran doesn't listen to the show, but I mean, I very much wanted to just be like, you can just say you don't. It's like, oh, my dad's shed, shed <laughs> is flooded. <laughs> oh, it's raining a lot. Apparently it's a flood. Yeah, right. Oh, I'm stuck at that work. That would have been on the news. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> I wanted to be like, Kieran, <laughs> I think after episode three, I always wanted to be like, Kieran, why don't you just sit this one out? Because I, t- <laughs> I could tell he did not like it at all. Uh, meanwhile, I'm having a great time. And um, <laughs> uh, compared to other series where, like, I'm not hating them, but often with these these Marvel series, I'm a bit more, you know, uh, I feel like, you know, I, maybe I'll, I have a few things I like about an episode, but a few more negatives or whatever, up, ups and downs, and quite often I'm the, the more negative side of one, whereas I feel like for the entirety of She-Hulk, for most of it, I was like, this show's great. Because I, I feel like it knew exactly what it was, I, and I, I feel like it hit uh, what it wanted to do and what it wanted to achieve and what sort of show it wanted to be. I feel like it, 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 it hit it all hit all the notes i'm not to say it's perfect but i definitely feel like it it knew what it wanted to be and wasn't trying to copy or just be like a a marvel movie but split up across episodes and i think the cast was fantastic it was very funny um yeah i i I really liked it all right uh staying on the marvel train we also got werewolf by night which is a new uh tv special event i guess it's called uh directed by famed composer Michael Giacchino uh, following a 
Jack Russell, who infiltrates a cabal of monster hunters uh, who are doing a monster hunt to inlet, like find the next successor to the the next leader of the monster hunting club. I guess is the easiest way to explain it. Uh, Dylan, what do you think of Werewolf by Night? Yeah, I liked it. I um, my one critique really is that I feel like it either should have been a bit shorter and tightened up, or a bit longer and had time to sort of expand on the characters. I just I feel like it it was so close to being amazing, and it just sits uh, at good to me. Is where I would sit it. I feel like it just it's it sort of does itself a disservice at the. 50 whatever minute time run it has and it like even just 20 more minutes and just get slightly into that feature territory or cutting it in half and just going for more of an actual short run and tidying up things would have uh, helped it overall because now it's sort of it's neither the best of both worlds with the the runtime it has and the amount of characters and and stuff but overall i really like that marvel's doing these different sorts of projects these special events or whatever they're they're going to do now i hope they continue to do some things like this i don't know if the uh guardians of galaxy christmas special counts as a special event maybe i think so yeah, it would surely um but yeah I, I think it's a cool idea um and uh really like the overall use of i guess throwback type violence to the um hollywood monsters that sort of stuff so yeah i, I thought it was good yeah i really enjoyed it as well obviously it's like a throwback to the universal pick monsters uh classic films and that kind of stuff obviously shot in black and white uh no classic monsters i just feel like i wish some of the marketing kind of kept some of it a little bit more secret uh there's a creature that i think would have been very cool to have like been surprised by uh in the show uh, especially for those of us who watch i guess every single trailer for everything so um but yeah really interesting like very more violent than anything the MCU has done so far, uh, which they can kind of get away with because it has been black and white. Um, I think, you know, I feel like it would have been better to be longer and kind of flesh out some of the, the characters a bit more. Um, but I think as like a short adventure, it, it really works as like a extended one shot kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think Michael Giacchino does a really good job. Like, there's some really good shots in here, uh, solid action sequences, um, really nicely covered uh, conversations and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I would not be opposed to Michael Giacchino doing more <laughs> directing in the future. Uh, and the score's really good as well on top of that. So, um, yeah, well, why not? It's pretty fantastic. All right. Um... Right, that's everything <laughs> everything we've got podcasts for uh but dylan you've written a review for the website you've reviewed a movie called dark glasses dark glasses uh yes so this is on shutter this i think it did get a cinematic release somewhere or at least a limited one because it's i'm just finding the director's name because i can never remember it's the return of um dario argentino who's sort of known as like one of the godfathers of uh galio filmmaking i guess most notably because of um like uh Suspir suspiria like the original is that's who the director mm. is and then he did a bunch of those sorts of genre films and then all the way up into even doing a film called galio galio i can never say it properly um in like to the mid to late 2000s um this is like his return to the genre uh it's fine 
what I give it like a five, maybe four, five, something yeah. like that. Sounds about right. It's a five. five. Yeah. So the setup for this one, it's quite, it's just an odd setup, but so you've got this girl, um, introduces this girl at the start of the movie who's like pulls over and she like, there's a solar eclipse happening and she looks up at, up at it and it's implied like she damaged her retinas there or something like that, which is just a weird way to start a movie. And then after that, you introduced to like your typical sort of serial killer dude going around, like stabs and murders this girl, like cuts her throat open, she dies, whatever. And then you go back to her main character girl, whose name I can't remember. Um, Diana. Yes, Diana. They, she like is leaving this place. So the thing is like both the girl, the girl who got killed at starts like a um, coal girl, prostitute, whatever. And that's what the main character is as well. So it's implied like the guy's like, chasing these ladies of the night um so he's like chases her down then you have this like sort of probably the best sequence in the movie is actually where he's like running she's running away from him and then she gets into a car and you have this like sort of car chase then she has this accident like the the dude like rams her up the ass and then her car goes flying over the top of this other car and she has this car accident um and then she comes out of it blind somehow i guess because the fucking sun damaged her retinas and then she had a car accident and i don't know anyway she's blind now um but then the other thing is like after this point the movie just sort of goes into about an hour of non-horror like sort of this weird um drama where she's learning to deal with her life and like still do everything she used to do with her um now being blind but also she meets up with the young boy who was left orphaned after her car accident killed the two parents that were in the the car there so it sort of takes a weird direction with like sort of this bonding over hey like we were our lives were fucked up by the dude or whatever of course he comes back by the end of the movie and like you have a you know typical sort of get away from the serial killer sort of thing but yeah it's just the i don't think her performance is great the best performance is by um his daughter who he has in everything um what's her fucking name asa argentino who i guess anyone who's watched american movies would know from i don't know triple x is what i always think of her from she was the, the main girl in triple x but um the she's like sort of the best performance in it as this girl like friend who like helps her um like cut like gets her a dog like a guide dog and like teaches her how to use and a walking stick and like um helps her like protect her at the end of the movie and like all these other sorts of things but yeah it was just it was just a bit of a mess it was over the place i can't even get started on a a random ass fucking snake sequence that happens at one point for no reason i was like what the fuck is even going on right now it's so weird (laughs) but um yeah um it's fine it's it's all right i definitely don't feel like it's the return to form but the dude's like nearly 90, or if not over 90, I think. So it's crazy to think he's still making these movies. Uh, so you also got the chance to wa- watch one of your most anticipated films of the year, Clerks 3. Did finally watch Clerks 3. Now, I'm going to... Clerks 3. I'm going to throw it out there because we're going to try and make it happen. I don't guarantee, but we are going to try and do a return to, of course, radio movie. Radio movies. Um, trying to make that happen um this is only a couple this is recording what are we recording this the day after i watch clerks or whatever but anyway so hopefully that'll happen do you want to save it (laughs) hopefully do you want to save your opinion no 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 i give my because i'll be if you want my full like spoiler thoughts uh that's hopefully where that will come together and we'll be able to do that but spoiler free thoughts uh i I quite enjoyed it i thought it was good um i I think i i I liked it more than jane silent bob um reboot um, it's a more sincere Kevin Smith view movie. Um, not quite as like serious as, no, 
no, it's not like chasing Amy seriousness, but it it, it gets a little bit more serious because the plot of this one is very much like tongue and well, not tongue and cheek, but like very much like hey, mimicking Kevin Smith's life. You've literally got Randall in it who has a heart attack and then comes out of it and wants to like suddenly just do shit and decides to make a movie about his life and he decides to make a movie about working in the convenience store, which is literally just he's making clerks at that point. Like it's very meta, um, but it all sort of just comes around about you know friendship and all these other things like that and yeah it's um has a i feel like it has an emotional ending and um definitely the um a good send-off as ending these field these clerks as a trilogy now so um i quite enjoy I, I quite liked it i thought it was good all right and then you know you've been sick so you've been watching a slate of horror movies yeah. to make you feel self feel yeah. better scare the germs uh, away scare the germs away uh, so you watched the new Hellraiser, which is available on Binge. Yeah, what a random... I remember when it was that pack and you were like, hey, the new Hellraiser's on Binge. I was like, what the fuck? But so random. Um, I liked it. I thought it was... Well, I mean, it is random because it's a Hulu yeah. film, which you would think would be, would be on, on Disney+. Plus. Plus. But apparently, the I, I heard that it was coming to Paramount Plus at the end of the month. It's even more confusing. And then it just randomly shows up on Binge. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what fuck's going on there, but anyway, I got to watch it, so that's the important part. That's all that matters. That's all that matters to me at the end of the day. Um, I enjoyed it. I definitely don't feel like it's as good as the the original, but I I um I feel like it brings it back to the basics of sort of the Clive Barker story and like the Cenobites and the types of themes and stuff that it like builds upon. So like the whole thing with the for people I guess who don't know Hellraiser is like. I never, I don't know. There's an element of like watching these movies for the first time and you ha- you're supposed to have lots of questions. So I don't want to ruin it. But obviously it's like the, the movies, especially the first one and this one, which is sort of like a reboot. So it, like it's not, it doesn't go crazy. But by the end of the Hellraiser franchise, they were literally like, <laughs> Pinhead's like a fucking serial killer and like hiding out in New York City. They went weird. <laughs> like They're bad movies. But the this one brings it back to Cenobites, weird like otherworldly creatures. Pinhead's the main one, um, the leader, I guess. They're all fucked up. Great designs. I think that's my favorite thing about this movie. I absolutely love the the uh, the makeup and special effects, uh, all that sort of stuff that are done for the Cenobites. They all look fucking great, creepy as fucked. There's like one that has like chattering teeth as it walks, and it's just like <laughs> completely fucking unnerving. Loved it. But the uh, they the cast of humans i guess or whatever they like find a puzzle box and each time you like you the idea is like if you get to the last stage you get like a secret wish or whatever basically you get to ask them for something um so but of course every time you beat one of the puzzle boxes like a rubik cube rubik cube it like stabs someone like has a knife come out and then the centibites come for that person uh so that's sort of how the movie plays out you can sort of guess and read between the lines there but um, there's some really good kills and stuff in there, some fucked up sort of ways that people go out, which is always good to see. Um, yeah, I, I, I just appreciate that it brought it back to the, the basics of the, the idea. It's like, you know, people's, the Cenobites are literally these fucked up in the, like indulgent of the worst things. Like they're meant to love, you know, mutilation and violence, and that's sort of how they get their kicks off. And you, the the cast, the characters in the original Hellraiser, um, was like, you know, like a, I think it was like a sex addict or something. Like it's it's the the themes 
from the book brought to it is it's supposed to be around mm. like you know addiction and um you know like i don't know what like feeding off certain sort of vibes and like desires and stuff like that so i, I appreciate how it brought it back to that not just hey pinhead's a fucked up looking character let's just have him go around and kill people so <laughs> as those movies progress so no I, I thought it was good i didn't i didn't love it i'll actually say this here's my hot take though i enjoyed this better than jordan peele's candy man the uh the nia da costa film the nia da costa <laughs> directed jordan peele's candy man i actually like this better and the only reason i'm comparing them is because they're both clive barker um based books books they've come out this year adaptations have come out this year Candyman didn't come didn't out. Didn't it? This year. I thought it was this year. Was that last year? It was last year. Times of Blair. All right. Both recent adaptations of Clive Barker material. I enjoyed this more okay. than Candyman. There's a hot take. All right. Uh, you also watched My Best Friend's Exorcism, which is currently streaming on Prime Video. I like this too. This was a. It's like a comedy horror, I guess. Like the setup is. Oh, fuck. What's the girl? I can't remember her name. But the, you look at the cast. It's Ellie Fisher, yeah, right? That one. And then the other ones don't really matter. Anyway, she's the the one that people... Well, wow. she's the most... She's the one most people would know the name of, I feel. But so it's like um, they go... Her her best friend and like two or three others. I can't remember how many it is. They like go stay at this like holiday home or whatever at the start of the movie. And then they like do a whole like... Let's go like sneak into this haunted house because that's a great idea. And then when they go in there, like they get attacked or they think they get attacked. And then her friend starts acting all weird at school. Um, turns out she's been like possessed by demon, of course. And then she starts like being like really mean and like s- slowly like trying to kill her friends by being like, oh, you've got a peanut allergy. And she like starts sticking them like peanuts and stuff. But um, it's like a teen horror. So it's not like super violent or, you know, like, it's, it's, I feel like Ash could watch this is my like scale of. Like, is this suit scary or anything? I don't, I don't feel like it's, like, super scary. There's one, like, fucked up screen scene where someone, like, froze up all over someone. But, I mean, that's about the... <laughs> that's about the... I feel like the, the extent of the, the grotesqueness, I think, from memory anyway. Uh, but, yeah, I like all the cast. I feel like they were fun. Um, the fun, young uh, cast that played well. And um, I like the way everything sort of came out by the end. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was... I, I enjoyed it for what it was. All right. You also watch Satan's Slaves. Um, I'm watching this because the sequel's coming out soon. Um, it's coming out like at the end okay. of the month. Well, it's what Satan Slaves uh, Communion, I think, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but so th- this is an interesting history. I've I've had this on my shadow watch list for a while, and I just had never got around to it. But with the sequel coming out, I was like, it sort of gave me the the push because when this came out, I remember reading about it couple years ago whenever it came out um it made like a butt ton of money and it was like i think the biggest or is currently the biggest grossing sort of indonesian horror movie or like it was some record breaking thing so i was like pretty noteworthy that's always had had on the backing um it's a it's a remake slash a prequel or some weird thing of sort of a cult classic um horror movie as well that no one can watch because it never actually got released with English subtitles or some weird shit like that. So it's always had like some sort of interesting back background to the, to the whole story. Um, but yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good. It's, um, it's sort of, it's about this family who, um, their mother, how many, I think there's like four or five kids or whatever, a dad, um, they live with their grandma, um, and their mum's sick. And then at the start of the movie, the mum passes away. But as soon as the mum passes away, 
uh, which it starts happening. It's like the mum's haunting them, but then they're they're trying to work out if it's actually the mum or some other like some other person that's like possessed their mum is coming back trying to trying to steal the kids or you know sort of stuff. It plays on, I think. And look, I'm not an expert, so, so I could be wrong, but I feel like it obviously plays on. Uh, what do you call it? Like a religious, like a what do you call that stuff? You know, like religious themes or themes, like you know, like ideas or stuff like that. Because so I looked at what the original film was, and it's like, um, um, it's it's it, well, it's interesting to watch because the whole thing is like they're, they're a family who don't pray, right? So they're a non-religious family. But if you were watching this in America, it would be like, you know, you're like, oh, you better pray to God and all this sort of stuff. But the thing, this one is, it's like, well, you got to, uh, you haven't played to, um, the fuck is he called? Um, uh, Allah? That's how you say it, right? Yeah? Muslim? Yep. It's like Allah? Yeah. They're like, yeah, pray to, so I, it's like, I think whatever that, what do you want to call it? Like, maybe it's like based on a, like a, a Muslim type, uh, like religious, like, uh, you know, like horror. Like, yeah. Yeah. Tail or whatever you want to call it. I'm struggling with words, but uh, that sort of thing I thought was uh, interesting and made it uh, sort of stand out from other things. It took some, it starts out and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a typical sort of ghost movie sort of thing, but then it has some wild turns. Like as the movie progressed, I was like, okay, well, didn't see that coming. And then by the end, I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Didn't see that coming either. So appreciated that for what it was. But um, yeah, I'm keen for the second one as well now because I was looking that up after I finished watching it. Uh, the second one is apparently the first movie uh, that was shown in IMAX yeah, out, out of um, Indonesia or whatever. Um, and it's currently made a butt ton of money uh, in its theatrical run uh, there as well. So, um, you know, it's just cool. Just, you know, I know it's not a genre you care for or anything like that, but at least it's a, it's just, you know, you sometimes you see movies like this where you're like, eh, just interesting little factoids, you know, like the first yeah. IMAX movie and stuff like that. You're like, oh, that's crazy. But, uh, and then you also watched VHS uh, 94. Yep. Also because 99 is coming out in like a couple of days. So mm. I was like, I should probably finally watch 94. Uh, again, another movie that I, I've always wanted to watch. I just, it came out, I think last year or the year before. I think it was only last year. Um, I never got around to it. I was like, fuck. And then apparently sequel got like, they sped that into production. So I was like, fuck, I better watch 94. Um, I enjoyed it. Definitely not the best in the franchise. I think I like it more than VHS too. The only one I never watched is Viral at this stage. I think I, sh- I guess I've got to watch that at some stage to, to wrap up my VHX uh, thing. There was one one of the shorts in this I thought was absolutely fucking boring though, um, which is just like this person, like they're at a wake and they're just like sitting there and it's I guess it's meant to be spooky and they think the body's about to come to life and spoilers it does come alive by the end it like breaks out of the the fucking <laughs> what do you call it? casket um but I, I thought that was that was shit there's a I like that there's a there's one was it the best one is I think it's a Thailand one I think I could be wrong but I think it's a Thailand made subject no 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 like the director and like the actor Indonesian like, is it Indonesia? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, the but that one's probably the best. It's like this doctor who's experimenting on people and like turn them into fucking robots and it has a sick ass action sequence, first person view where <laughs> people are just getting fucked up. That one was awesome. I really enjoyed that one. That one was really cool. Um, and then probably the second favorite was uh, the, I actually quite enjoyed. Uh, it has this one. 
where it's like these reporters and they're going to, they hear this tale of, um, I think it was the, the one that starts it. They hear this tale of like a rat person living in the subway or whatever and they start investigating it and that has some weird <laughs> turns as it, as it go, goes along. But yeah, um, I'd say I have many what there was like, I think there was like five short stories in this one or something like that probably. So I'd say like four out of five were good. And then one really good one, which is the, the experimenting people turning them into cyborgs, cyberpunk 2077 storyline thing. So, um, yeah, I liked it. Awesome. Uh, so I finished watching this season of welcome to Wrexham. So this is obviously the documentary series following Wrexham football club, uh, who got bought by, uh, Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds and kind of follows their season in the L- chant. No national league. I want to say, which is like the fifth division, uh, team in, uh, England. Um, yeah, just a behind the scenes look at, you know, the club as it plays through its season while also being dealing with Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney owning the club and how that actually works. I found it really enjoyable. I think they've got some interest. It's not just a basic behind the scenes kind of, uh, sports docker series. Uh, they also kind of delve into different topics, whether it's, they have a full episode, like explaining whales and like Welsh language and like why whales is so important and like their history of whales. They have an episode kind of devoted to hooliganism after there's a pretty terrible incident after Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhinney visited uh, for the first time. Uh, and then they also have a really episode focused on bromances and like adult male relationships um, and how like obviously sport like plays a big part in like a lot of adult male relationships uh, and that kind of stuff. So I found it quite interesting, even though I kind of, I did know how the season was going to pan out. Um, I found it a really enjoyable watch to like get look forward to the episodes every single week. So, uh, yeah, I would recommend checking out Welcome to Wrexham. It's, 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 it's a fun time. Uh, you know, and, you know, Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhenney, a funny dude. So <laughs> hearing them commentating throughout having their bits and pieces throughout the entire season was quite enjoyable. So check that out on Disney+. Plus. All right, let's move on to a mandatory Netflix segment of the show. Hassan Minaj, The King's Jester, dropped on Netflix. His latest comedy special, his first one since Homecoming King, his first special since Patriot Act, unfortunately got cancelled. Um, I watched it on the plane to PAX. The optimal way to watch <laughs> a comedy special. I've w- thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it's like... I, I don't know. You watch this at like 4am in the fucking morning. You were not no, awake No, it was enough. like 6 o- I was definitely <laughs> were- awake. I had to be very awake because I had to drive to the airport. So, right. <laughs> uh, I was very much awake uh, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I love it as much as Homecoming King. Uh I feel like that was more of a personal, like, uh, there's more personalness to that, that story. And like, so that's so much about, uh, being an immigrant and like, uh, being like first gen, like second generation, I guess, first generation immigrant and that kind of stuff. Uh, where there's this one kind of, uh, is very much about being a father and, uh, protecting your family and that kind of stuff. Uh, it's not, I don't feel it's as relatable maybe as the first one. 
Uh, but it's still very enjoyable and very well put together, obviously building on what he did with the Patriot Act, what he did with Homecoming King, with like the audio-visual elements to the the whole special, whether it's bringing up pictures of his kid or uh, Kamal Nunjani and how much him having abs just Fuck upset you, him. Fuck you, Kamal! But yeah, there's lots of funny bits, like him like explaining the difference between an MD and a DO. Uh yeah, very, very funny. Uh, one of the best specials of the year. Uh, but Dylan, you watched that one as well? Yeah, I don't I don't think it's as good as the other one, but I feel like that's just a, that's like sort of an all-time classic, his first special that, that he did yeah. for Netflix. I feel like that's just, you know, if you're comparing, just, you're trying to compare it to that old time, it's not going to go there. Like, I feel like if that's a nine, if that's a 10 out of 10, this is like an eight and a half or a nine or something. I still feel like this is a very good fucking yep. comedy special. I, I laugh quite a lot. I feel like it's very well put together. It's the, it's the same sort of thing in that he will do a really good job at, you know, like funny, 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 and then serious. I'm talking serious now. And this thing, and thing. And then, no, here's a joke. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yep. it's that same sort of candor to the way he, he'll, mm. he'll drop and you can tell when he's joking and tell when he's not, which is, a thing because he does say in this like you can tell when I'm joking and I'm like yeah I, I actually can because I know when you're serious like you, he specifically you, says he wants audiences that understand when he's joking <laughs> yeah I can you can 100% tell when he's joking and when he's serious because it's, it's the way he like his, his voice gets very serious, very serious yeah so um but I yeah I thought all the jokes were very well put together I feel like it's a, I feel like it's a it's a combination of building upon being a dad um and like his last few years of that and family life and yeah. just having a way to expand upon and uh stuff that happened to him while doing Patriarch Patriot Act and yep. explaining some stuff that happened on and with that show and turning those into jokes, which he does to great effect. Like that part where he's like uh he's like gonna get sued or whatever and he like <laughs> takes it to his own lawyer and he's like, whatever I can't remember the dude's name. He's like, George, what are we gonna do? And it, like he brings up the real letter and all that sort of stuff and you know, like I that was fucking that was pretty damn funny. So um <laughs> Just the way that he's delivering, like the way everything, like yeah, definitely comes together. It's, yeah, I I found it a, yeah definitely probably I don't think of any other company special I've watched this year that is this good. I feel like this is definitely number one so far. Yeah, we'll have to go back and I don't know if there's any we've missed. Like I usually feel like we watch the standout ones. Like it's not like I'm watching every comedy special that drops. Like, yeah, not, but I feel like I I definitely watch usually have my eye on the standout ones. I don't know. You don't watch everyone that drops, but you did watch uh, Eliza Shell Singer, Hot Forever. Well, the, I, I, this finished, well, Hassan Singh finished, and then that was like, hey, do you want to watch this? I'm like, hey, right, I'll go make lunch first, but <laughs> like, <laughs> I put that on. I, I've never watched any of her stuff before. I'm aware of who she is. Like, I know, um, like her name's big enough that I've like seen her pop up on stuff like comedy stuff yep. i think i've seen her she's, in other stuff I feel like she's pretty prolific like she has a yeah she's a massive like, regular yeah yeah she's a massive stand-up and i've seen her in other people's stuff and i've seen her do bits on other shows i've never seen an entire one of her just a solo show of hers though um yep. i thought it was funny definitely i was coming off sort of such a great special that maybe it wasn't like it was it's like this is a yeah, it's okay. It's a it's a fine special. Maybe uh, I had the bar a bit high coming off the, the other one, but the King's Jester. But yeah, there's some like decent jokes in here. I know from like past experience, and like her jokes are very much targeted towards, um, I guess, like 
female audience, I guess it's the, like, there's lots of jokes about bra sizes and not targeted female audiences, but female experience, I guess is the, yeah. is the thing. And th- there are some funny bits in here and, but almost, uh, I don't know. Like it, it, it was dragged a little bit at some stage just me. There was a few jokes that I feel like they could have, like she did that thing that sometimes I hate where I'm like, okay, you, you've told me the end of the joke like five times. Like, you can move on to the next joke. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I got it. Yeah. I thought it was all right. All right. Uh, so you also watched the Netflix series, The Watcher. What's this one? About? Uh, um, yeah. So this is based, it's based on this rather interesting story that I'm sure they, Netflix has a, I'm pretty, Netflix will do that thing where they just magically have a documentary about like two weeks after this series drops or whatever. But so this is based on a story where this couple moved into a house in wherever, Washington or wherever the fuck they are, I don't know, in America. They move into this house and then like a couple weeks after they move in, they start getting these letters in their mailbox and it's like stuff like, Dear House 6669, I love your house. I've been watching your family since you moved in. Your daughter and son go to this school, blah, blah, blah. And they were always signed off the watcher, which of course the family was like, this is fucking weird. Um, and they kept getting these letters for like all the time. And they can't, to this day, they can never figure out who it was. The cops couldn't figure out who it was. The FBI couldn't figure out who it was. People have all these theories. Internet sleuths have tried to work out who it was. Um, they did DNA testing, you know, like there's all these like crazy theories about it being, you know, the couple across the, ho- uh, the road, uh, about like the people in the house doing it, like, faking it to like get money you know like all these these things like it's definitely like you get you can dive down a wikipedia hole um to figure out what's happening with this but this show the watcher is based upon that but then it just takes it to the just sort of does whatever it wants at that stage so um it's created by ryan murphy and um he's of course just come off the success of <laughs> being one of the producers on uh the fucking what's the other show the dunham uh fuck is that called the jeff Dar- Dar- jeff darnham what, what the fuck is his name who cares he's a serial killer. Fucking, that's him yeah f- that fucking piece of shit that series which he produced as well so he now has like the two highest grossing watched netflix series, things yeah. most watched year, things yeah. on netflix at the moment which is crazy but anyway um so it's uh s- sort of takes that idea the, that true story and just sort of twists it at that stage so it's the same sort of thing where this couple moves into this house with a family the names are changed they're not the same names as real people they have t- they have two kids in this instead of three like they've done some like s- slight changes so it's not cupping the exact same thing and they can change the names and whatever else but it just like yeah they move in they start getting letters they start trying to the family starts getting freaked out they need to work out who it is that you know basically what happens is they start going insane like obsessed with trying to work out who this is and yeah i thought it was really good i i I quite enjoyed it i feel like um i don't know if it's a spoiler to say but i mean obviously i just said they could they never solved it in real life so i don't know if it's a spoiler to say that the show ends without obviously giving you a real answer as well because they never actually got a real answer in real life life, so i don't know if that's going to be something that annoy people but um i'm totally fine with that because i feel like the series was um it actually has some quite uh interesting characters and um the way everything plays off and i think the themes of like obsession um like with trying to figure this thing out that maybe you're just never gonna f- to, to figure out and then you can understand why this would be so frustrating for people to, ne- to never be able to solve and whatever else so um no i enjoyed it i thought it was good seven episodes i think weird number but yeah yeah that is a weird number uh so you also watched the movie the luckiest girl alive starring Mila kunis 
<clears throat> yep, tell me sick. Um, the <laughs> this one <laughs> popped up. I was like, most watched today. New Netflix movie. In bed all day. Let's watch it. Uh, I thought it was okay. So it's like Marikina stars as this girl who has sort of escaped from a big traumatic event that happened to her when she was in high school. Um, it starts off with, uh, you think it's this, just that there was a school shooting, but it's a bit more to it than that. She has like s- sort of this secret that she's not telling anyone. I don't actually know if it's a spoiler to say or not. So I, I just won't say the, I never watched the trailer. Obviously I just clicked play. I was like, I don't know. What's this about? Who cares? Let's watch. Um, but she, so, but then this documentary crew starts coming around and asking and they're like, Hey, we're doing this documentary about what happened to your school when you was there. And at first she's like, no, no, no. But then so as the film goes on, like sort of her past catching up to her starts affecting her, uh, life where she's about to get married to, uh, Finnick, whatever his name is, that dude who's like in all the Brian Murphy things. Um, Finnick Wolf whatever that dude um he sh- like their marriage is sort of or their to be marriage is like coming up there a few weeks away and sort of like it starts affecting her personal life so she you know there's flashback sequences to in the weeks leading up to what happened to the to the school shooting and all these sorts of things and um i understand like it definitely plays uh around some themes that are tough subjects i just don't feel like it done a particularly good job at nailing i don't know like it it just felt soft at sometimes with like considering how dark and um serious the subject matter it's playing with two very serious subjects and i i felt like it fell a bit soft at times and i didn't love marla kunis in this either i felt i felt like she was not her performance i don't feel like was up to uh up to the bar i needed it to be for a film tackling certain subject matter so I'm um, not saying like I hate her as an actress, but I just yeah I, I didn't love her in the, in in this role. All right. Uh, so I watched the Netflix documentary The Redeem Team, which follows uh, the Olympic, the U.S. Olympic basketball team uh, going into the 2008 Beijing Olympics. So at the previous Olympics, uh, they had kind of they'd lost in the semifinals and only won a bronze medal, which brought great shame to the American people uh, and then proceeded to lose the next world championships as well. Uh, so, you know, they were trying to change things and build up to try and get the gold medal. Um, this was the team that had players like LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, uh, Dwayne Wade. Uh, yeah, a lot of big name players like kind of all coming together to try and redeem the U.S men's team after they lost uh i find it found it quite interesting apparently kobe was being interviewed for this prior to his death so there is segments of him talking about that and the, i guess it kind of has a different feeling about it seeing as it is his passed away since um but yeah i find it quite interesting uh as a basketball kind of fan like who has a passing interest in basketball um just the having all these teams together, all these big name players together and them talking about all being all alpha dogs and trying to have to work together and that kind of stuff. So yeah. uh, if you're a basketball fan, it's it's worth checking out, even though, you know, it's about the US basketball team, which is as exciting for Australian. <laughs> all right. And Dylan, you've watched a couple episodes of the new Mike Flanagan series, The Midnight Club. Uh, yeah, so this is the... I guess 
darkly set up series where it's literally like, uh, what is it? It's like a hospice, but it's not. It's like, so the main character, he's, I can't remember the main character's name, sorry, but the main character at the start of the movie very much sets up like very young, promising girl who's has all of her life ahead of her. And then she uh, gets, I can't remember exactly the type of cancer, but she gets a type of cancer. And they think it's like in remission, but then turns out um, it's a, uh, what's the word? I can't remember. Anyway, it's non, like a, she, she has like a year to live, basically. Um, so she begins looking online and she finds this this place where she ends up going. Um, and they're, they're trying to treat it. Like it is technically a hospice, but it's not. Like they're like, you, we're here to just like, you know, live life, be happy and you know, it's not supposed to be like a dour sour sort of place or anything like that. You know, just 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 let go, sort of vibe patterning there. Um, and what she discovers is that most of the other kids meet at midnight down in the so like a library area, I guess, and they take in turns telling stories to try and mostly scare one another, but also just just tell stories, I guess. Um, and then they have a secret pact, which is that if who whichever one of them dies first, they have to come back and uh, leave a sign, like to to give give them a sign that there's life on the other side, sort of thing. Um, so it's sort of um, you've got like a at least in the few episodes I watched so far, it's interesting because you have it's almost like a, a show, and then there's like you got like it's like an anthology series at the same time because when the when they're doing the short stories they're these are like mini mini little stories little mini horror stories or whatever happening at the same time sometimes with some of the same actors um or not while they're telling these stories and then of course once you get back into the 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 real characters and stuff you're you're getting to learn more about them like what what makes these characters tick why is this person so angry why is this character so afraid of blood going everywhere um why is you know like all these little things you get to learn over the first couple episodes um getting to know these kids which all of which so far i'd say the kids are um giving good performances uh, and that's really good uh the house i really like mike flanagan has a thing for doing horror type things just setting big old mansion fuck off houses but um yeah I'm, I'm definitely enjoying the first few episodes it's definitely not like anything else he's done i guess uh he's not directing at all either so it's more of a collaborative project and I guess you're going to feel that on the collective tissue. Um, but yeah, I'm keen to, to see it through. All right. Yeah, that's one I'm keen to check out once, you know, the backlog of stuff I need to get done is kind of over. But yeah, that's everything in our watch history. Let's move into a little bit of film news. And the the story that attracted my attention the most this past two weeks, uh, which admittedly has been held up by another event <laughs> taking place, uh, was this story around uh, Richard Linklater's Apollo 10.5 being rejected uh, for the Academy Awards. Uh, Reading from AV Club, director Richard Linklater is getting vocal about his frustrations with the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences this week after the Oscar-granting body decided that his recent film, Apollo 10.5, A Space Age Childhood, doesn't qualify for its Best Animated Feature Film category on account of it not being animated enough. Like Linklater's previous animated films, like Walking Life and A Scanner Darkly, Apollo achieves its look through the age-old process of rotoscoping, an animation technique in which artists draw over live-action footage, creating a distinctive sense of motion that looks like very little else in the medium. 
More than 200 animators worked on the film, which does not appear to have been sufficient for the Academy, which issued a decree back in July that it does not feel that the techniques meet the definition of animation in the category rules for the best animated feature film. In conversation with IndieWire, Linklater and his animation director, Tommy Pallada, uh, both expressed their anger at the Academy's verdict. I feel like I've been caught in a Casper-esque nightmare where someone is saying something isn't real and I know it's real, Plota said, noting that Apollo is a blend of rotoscoped outlines for figures and lush animations surrounding and on top of them. Uh, Linklater, meanwhile, was blunt about what he sees as the commercial motivations for the exclusion. The animation industry is clustered around kids' entertainment. I get this feeling that they're basically like indie weirdos go home. Uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts on this situation? Does this movie deserve to be eligible apparently the film needs to technically be 75 percent animated to be classified as an animated film and also longer than 40 minutes long which clearly this fits that <laughs> fits that criteria as far as i can tell yeah it's it should 100 percent be eligible i don't feel like um rotoscoping is like i don't I, I, rotoscoping is an old technique i don't understand how it's not considered animation like it's to me it's no di- like the 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 new form of rotoscoping is just like um performance capture stuff to me like rotoscoping is like the version one of that you know you have something like um polar express or whatever animated movie but it's tom hanks running around in a suit you know or whatever but mm. then it's they're animated over his performance to me that's that that's just a new age version of the same te- technique that's gone on here. Um, and the thing is like, he's hundred percent right. Although they have the, the, they, they go over the original performances to like have a, a baseline. They're adding in and changing details that are happening in the background. You have more elaborate things that are added because it's animated and they can add those animated flourishes during certain sequences in the movie. Um, they change things if they want, because it's animated, they can re go over it. You know, like it's not just, it's not literally just sketch over with a pencil and something call it animated or else. Why would it take 200 fucking animators? Like that's <laughs> a lot of people to yeah. do what the Academy saying is like, uh, oh, it's just a, it's a hack job. You know, like it, it's just, you went over it with a pencil. Like it's a, it's just a sketch job. Like, yeah, you, 200 you people to do a sketch it, You put a filter yeah. over it. No. no. So I, I call it 100% bullshit. And um, I agree totally with everything in that that uh, quote you just pulled out, similar to what I think was discussing last year of the Academy Awards, which is that uh, how sort of stupid, I can't remember who said it, but those two people that came out and host made a joke about animated movies and just spoke about well, them. Well, it was all the kids. Disney princesses. All the Disney princesses spoke about for kids. Um, we, and we spoke about it then saying how the category is sort of like, is it actually best animated film or is it just best kids animated film, kids movie? And it very much seems at the, at the time and even now that, yeah, it just continues to be that animated is treated as a kids category. Cause last year it was, um, uh, what the fuck was that movie? I still haven't watched it. Flea. It was the Flea. Flea was the one, uh, non-kids non-kids movie. movie and that didn't even get a second to like shine in the spotlight at all they just shone the spotlight on all the kids ones throughout the show so um yeah it's very much a f- yeah i i agree i think the academy treats animation like a kid's medium and not like a medium that can be used for adult storytelling uh yeah i think you know they definitely got a case here as to why they should be considered um an animated film 
the main be- reason being the animated is an animated film. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. I mean, um, just because there's a performance that they're basing some of the animation on doesn't mean it's not animated much in the same way that like you said stop motion animations should oh like uh caption performance capture motion capture would still technically i guess be considered uh animated and really all animation to a degree is based off uh like we we see all the like uh reference videos that the animators use to like build their performances and that kind of stuff i think i feel like this category is definitely due for like a uh a revamp or some sort of overhaul um not that you know all the kids movies definitely don't deserve to be nominated all that kind of stuff uh but the animation category is so focused on the kids movies especially in the i can't remember the last more adult animated thing that has won i don't imagine there would be no. uh but yeah this seems like a very weird story uh let's be honest even if it was nominated i don't think it would be one of the if, even if it was classified as uh eligible i don't think it would have gotten nominated um trying to quickly find if there is a predictions for what the best animated movie for this year would be uh, so if pulling from variety their top five uh that they consider would be turning red uh Guillermo de toro's pinocchio wendell and wild uh strange world and fifth place is interestingly marcel and the shell with shoes on which does feature stop motion animation, but I believe is also a mixture of live action. So that's an outrage. That should not be nominated. I mean, it should be nominated. I just think <laughs> they should both be nominated. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's. I mean, there's a lot of animated movies that come out each year, so it's like really tough to. But yeah, uh, this seems like a weird oversight and something that needs to be rectified. Uh, just because they choose to animate it in this style doesn't mean it shouldn't be classified as animation. So, yeah. That's our two cents on that issue. Uh, yeah, let's move on. Uh, this is being reported by Deadline, a high-profile TV series project from Miramax Television based on Herbert Asprey's 1927 non-fiction book, The Gangs of New York, is about to hit the premium streaming marketplace. Oscar winner Martin Martin Scorsese, who directed the 2002 adaptation of the book, is attached to executive produce the potential series and direct the first two episodes. Details about the drama from playwright TV writer Brett Leonard Leonard are sketchy, but I hear this is a new take on the story with new characters that were not featured in the movie, which of course starred Leonardo DiCaprio, Daniel Day-Lewis, and Cameron Diaz. Dylan, would you be excited for a Martin Scorsese-directed TV series of Gangs of New York? Uh, Yeah. I feel like there's definitely enough. It's not a time period or a source material that's overdone or that there's no reason to uh, not expand upon it, especially if, like, it's... This is the thing. It's, some, it's not like they're remaking a movie. You know, this isn't the same thing. It's based on a book. It's just another adaptation. It's a different... A, li- a non-fiction book. <laughs> yeah, that. it's just another take. Like, I, I don't want to get into this whole, they're remaking... It's, it's fine. 
if, if something's based on something else, it's not, it's just someone else is having a go. Um, and if Martin Scorsese is involved, that's another big plus. It just means the pilot and the first two episodes, if that's what he's doing, will be great. And then it's like, well, who's he handing the keys over to? Who's actually running the show? Who's the, like, how, how's it going to go from there on? But there's such a bigger world, uh, within the, that, that setting and everything. I could definitely see like many seasons of storytelling in that in that time period for what's happened i mean the movie is like two and a half hours and even then it feels like it flies through certain events and stuff like that so uh, yeah 100 percent, i could see a tv series uh yeah it, it, as someone who has not watched the movie <laughs> uh yeah i mean it makes sense this is a big time period uh obviously martin scorsese involved that's pretty cool i think you know he's got a reasonably good track record quickly looking uh he did uh boardwalk empire i guess is the big uh, series that he executive produced and directed on, uh, as well as Vinyl, which didn't do as well as <laughs> uh, Boardwalk Empire, but, I mean, one for 50% hit rate is pretty good. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a very exciting. Obviously, Martin Scorsese only has so many different projects he could potentially be doing. Um, so, if, if he wants to do this one, I mean, it must be pretty good uh, apparently he's very happy with the script and that kind of stuff so yeah uh, very cool uh, excited to see where that how this project progresses uh, and that kind of stuff uh, this is an interesting one one of Hollywood's classic slapstick comedy franchises is looking to make its way back to the big screen sources tell Deadline that Paramount Pictures is moving forward with a new Naked Gun reboot with Liam Neeson in negotiations to star and Akiva Schaefer to direct. While no green light has been given, sources say it's headed in that direction once the deal closes for Neeson. Of course. Uh, Dylan, can you imagine Liam Neeson fulfilling the role of Leslie Nelson in no. The Naked Gun? No. Yeah, this seems like an odd casting choice. <laughs> yeah. Can't say it. I'm, I'm not against, like, Akiva... Uh, what the fuck's his last name? Schaefer. Schaefer. I'm not, I'm not against him. Like I can see him directing it. I just cannot see Liam Neeson in the role at all. Um, it's just such a, I guess a. Well, I can't see anyone in it to be fair. But like, try to pitch Liam Neeson in it. It's such a slapstick, stupid performance, and such an iconic performance that I just don't know how you sort of slip into that. Yeah, slip there isn't currently that, a. Yeah. There isn't really a big slapstick comedy star or it's just slapstick and comedy kind of died out died out to a degree um yeah so it's hard to imagine anyone kind of doing that kind of performance again i mean maybe will ferrell would be the closest person to like doing slapstick comedy Uh, but even that's like a stretch um yeah, as someone who's not also not watched The Naked Gun, I mean... <laughs> any of them? No. How about three... Add to the list. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson doesn't really strike me as a comedian type, you know? I don't know. I guess he's appeared in some, like, Seth MacFarlane stuff, but... Uh, he's not a big... Not... Not a guy I imagine laughs a hell of a lot. <laughs> what gives the impression that he laughs a lot, you know? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, no, he's, he's kind of built his career off the last decade and a half on 
Taken-esque movies. You will find him funny, or he will find out where you live, and he will kill you. I guess that's pretty true. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's movie, find its director in Emma Tam- Tammy. Uh, Death by Animatronics will hit the big screen as Bombhouse's adaptation of the popular video game Five Nights at Freddy's has landed its director, uh, Emma Tammy, who made her feature debut with the 2018 horror western The Wind, is a director of the horror thriller, which is in pre-production for an early 2023 start of principal photo- photography. Jim Henson's Creature Shop is also working alongside Blumhouse to bring the game's favorite animatronic characters to life. Dylan, are you in- interested in this Five Nights at Freddy movie? No, I give absolutely zero fucks. But you know what's going to happen? Is I guarantee I'm going to say this movie is going to be bad, and I'll say it's going to be bad. I bet you it comes out and it's actually good, though. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to fuck me hard, I bet you. Uh, yeah, I think the potential's there for it to be good. I know very little about Five Nights at Freddy. It's other just than, a bunch you know, of jump it's scares. Like, it's, just... it's just filled with a bunch of jump scares. Yeah. Uh, but I think it'll look good. That's that's the Barrett though bar I'm setting. It's like mm. if Jim Henson productions are going to be involved, I think we're going to get reasonably lifelike animatronics of these teddy bears and what ducks teddy bears and, and stuff, and you know they're going to come around and kill a bunch of people. Yeah. I actually don't them. know. Do they kill them? Yeah, I don't. I don't actually know because all I know is like I never actually played. They it. just scare you. Play it. Like, like yeah, it. you get scared and then you just restart, right? So I don't know. Do they kill you? I guess it's implied they kill you. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and I guess if it's being done by Blumhouse, they're going to kill. <laughs> but then do you want to lose out on the audience that... Which is mostly... There's a lot of kids who like these games. Well, that's the thing. Do you yeah, want to miss I out d- on that audience? Yeah, it's like a kid... Fr- like, it's a kid franchise. So, yeah, who's the audience? Who's the movie for? Who are you aiming this at? And then what level of violence is acceptable mm. for that audience? Mm. It is an interesting one. Uh, finish on this story. Sydney Sweeney to star and executive produce in new Barbarella movie for Sony Pictures. Sydney Sweeney isn't done staying busy with Sony Pictures, as sources tell Deadline. The Emmy-nominated Euphoria and White Lotus actress is attached to star in a new Barbarella movie from the studio. Uh, the film is based on Jean-Claude Forrest's French comic book series that was turned into a 1968 movie starring Jane Fonda. Uh, insiders add that the new movie is still in development with no writer or director attached, but says that Sweeney is expected to executive produce. Um, this, a weird one, like, I understand, it's like Hollywood's new Holly, hot it girl, uh, why wouldn't you want her to play a character in skippy clothing, I guess? That's a weird thing, Barbarella was like, it's just like a cult movie because it got Jane Fonda naked at a point in it and that's like sort of what it's known for yeah. i don't know why you i don't know like unless the idea is to like take that reverse character it and or what the pitch it, is or make it something better i really don't know like i know it's not a movie i know jane fonda like talks about like i don't think jane fonda in any interview i've seen like talks about it like she doesn't hate the movie or anything. Yeah. like she's just like it is what it is like everyone knows what it it was yeah um yeah it's not what's well, it's not a good movie it's just it's like a cult movie it's just so yeah. I, it's, a, it's a weird one. It is a weird one. I feel like I, it might just be a case of like uh, Sony enjoying her work on Madam Web, which we've got like set pictures. It's awesome. I was going to say, it's awesome set pictures. Yeah, they look, yeah. So like, they're like, hey, let's get you to do something for us. What property have we got that would fit Sydney Sweeney? Barbarella. Done. 
Tatcha. Yeah. That's why I'm like, money. she's just being typecast at that point. Like that's like, yeah, a little if bit. you're like, well, what, what do we got? Mm, Barrel. Why? You like it naked, don't you? Like, is that yeah. what the, is that what <laughs> yeah, the cast is like? It is a little bit typecasting and is a little bit, you know, but you know, if she's executive producing and like has some sort of control, especially at this pre-script stage, you know, who knows? Seems like a weird one though. All right, let's give, let's go start giving some thumbs to trailers. Of course, you can find all the trailers we're about to talk about in the show notes below. Uh, let's start off with Megan, directed by Gerald Johnson, starring Amy Donald. Amy Donald, Alison Williams, Violet McGraw, our boy Ronnie Chang, and Brian Jordan Alvarez. A roboticist designs a lifelike doll programmed to bond with her newly orphaned niece. However, the robot becomes violently overprotective of its new friend. Uh, Dylan, what do you think of this trailer for Megan? Um, I really liked it. It looks fucked up, hey? There's a little fucking doll running around killing people. There's a shot at the end where she's like charging through the woods, going to kill that kid. It's awesome. Uh, no, I, I, I'm a sucker for a, I think I'm a sucker for, uh, like, a, uh, robots or, uh, dolls come to life and, you know, go Big Annabelle fan. Yeah. Fucking. Love that Chucky. Fan. Love. Yeah. I do like Chucky. I do like Annabelle. I mean, it's weird to say I love them, but like Chucky, like Annabelle, Gizmo as a kid, you know, the OG sort of horror, uh, you know, like. Big Mutant fan of iRobot. Anyway, this uh, <laughs> this this trailer is pretty good. Uh, Alison Williams looks looks uh, good in it. Seeing her come back to Blumhouse to do a another film is good. I don't think she's done anything since Get Out with Blumhouse, at least not that I can remember. So um, you got a script from uh, James Wan and I can't remember his writing partner, but they both who uh, worked with him on uh, Maleficent and stuff like that. So I expect some Maleficent fucking. Malignant. Fucking, yeah, that one. A Keller Cooper. Yeah, there you go. Um, So, yeah. So, there's the the writing prowess there that uh, leads me to believe this is going to be more than hopefully meets the eye and go in the direction you assume it's going to go because Malignant did not go anywhere the fucking direction I thought it was going to go. Wild movie. Have I ever told you how wild Malignant is? Fucking wild movie. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm keen. I like the trailer. I thought the doll looks good too, like as far as it looks just w- weirdly too lifelike, which I guess is the point, obviously. Um, yeah, I'm down. I'm going double thumbs up. Uh, I'm going one up, one down. I think it looks like a fine horror movie. The idea, I guess, uh, is interesting of this robotic girl being coming overly attached to wanting to protect her at whatever means necessary. Uh, I'm giving you a w- one down because they've got Ronnie Cheng in the cast and they didn't put him in the trailer. So, uh, I think that's, <laughs> I think it's fair. Mean, no, <laughs> also, it's weird and it's like obviously the segment where she's dancing in the hallway has kind of become a big sensation on social media. Like, all yes, and like <laughs> she's like dancing and then she does a somersault. It's weird. Isn't that weird? Uh, yes, so this movie is coming to cinemas on the 12th of January, 2023. Our next trailer for this week, Wendell and Wilds, directed by Henry Selick, starring Michael, Keegan-Michael Key, Jordan Peele, Angela Bassett, Lyric Ross, James Hong, and Ving Rhames. 
two scheming demon brothers, Wendell and Wilde, enlist the aid of a 13-year-old Cat Elliot to summon them to the land of the living. Dylan, what do you think of this stop-motion trailer? I really like stop-motion stuff. I really like the look of this. I like the uh, the setup, like the the general synopsis, what you can see story-wise that's happening. I like the cast. I didn't but- love the trailer, though. I just thought the trailer was oddly paced and just sort of all over the place and it really just felt unfocused or like the trailer was put together by, it almost feel like the trailer was put together by someone who doesn't know the project and didn't know how to market it. It just felt weird. Like I just had an odd feeling watching trailers. So I'm going one up, down, one up, one down. I like it. I like the movie. I like, I like the, I like what I'm seeing. I just, the trailer just felt weird to me. Uh, yeah, I think I'll give one up, one down as well. I think I agree with you. It feels a little bit unfocused. Um, it's not very clear. Not that it has to be super clear about what is going for, but uh, there's so many elements. You just kind of want to get an idea of what we're getting into. Uh, and it's just kind of all over the place. But yeah, beautifully and looks cool animation. Uh, beautifully stop motion. Uh, interesting character designs and that kind of stuff. Funny dialogue, obviously, Keegan Michael Keel and Jordan Peele, their first project acting together, I guess, since Keegan Peele. Um, uh, no. Keanu! Oh, yeah, that's right. They did do Keanu. <laughs> uh, well, since that. So, <laughs> uh, it's been a while. So, uh, yeah, this looks very interesting. And it is coming to Netflix October 28th. So, right before Halloween to get you in the spirit. Uh, speaking of movies set around a holiday, uh, next trailer is Violent Night, uh, directed by Tommy Wakola, uh, starring David Harbour, John Leguizamo, Cam Gigadent, uh, Alex Hassel, Alex Lauder, Edie Patterson, and Beverly D'Angelo. An elite team of mercenaries break into a family compound on Christmas Eve, taking everyone hostage inside. However, they aren't prepared for a surprise combatant. Santa Claus is on the ground, and he's about to show you why this Nick is no saint. Dylan, what do you think of the trailer for Violent Night? I loved it. It was awesome. I love it. Um, there's a part <laughs> of this trailer, <laughs> I just started laughing when I watched it. Because I watched this, I think, one morning um, before PAX, because I told you about it on the show floor, I think. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> I was just laughing because it's just, when he's like, naughty, naughty, and he's like killing people. I was like, I don't know. I'm down. I, I'm going to double thumbs up. It's just absolutely dumb, dumb, dumb idea. I hope it's, extra violent more so than the trailer portrays. I just want to see Santa fuck people up I'm all about that but yeah I'm going to double thumbs up yeah it's double thumbs up from me uh, it sets up the premise super easily it's die hard but with Santa Claus yeah <laughs> uh, you know I'm sure Simon was super happy watching this trailer because it's filled with puns and like takes on all of his famous lines or any Christmas saying at all um yeah, I'm I'm down to watch Santa mess up a bunch of people. You know, I wasn't on board when it was originally pitched, but like watching it actually happen looks good. David Harbour kind of a good fit to play violent Santa Claus. Um, just him at the start of the trailer, like being super depressed about being Santa in general, uh, being a bit of a drunk. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So yeah, I'm excited for this one. This is coming to cinemas December first. Uh, yeah, so look forward to talking about that one. Uh, next trailer is Causeway, directed by Lila Neuenbauer, 
uh, starring Jennifer Lawrence and Brian Tyree Henry. Lindsay, a US soldier, experiences a traumatic brain injury during her tour in Afghanistan, which forces her to return home. She struggles to return to her daily life with her mother as she waits for her eventual redeployments. Uh, Dylan, this one's been doing the rounds at different film festivals. What did you think of the trailer? I'm going to double thumbs down on the trailer. I feel like I know... So I knew about this movie because it has been doing the rounds and it's been getting a lot of very positive buzz. Um, and of course I read, like, whenever I read A24, Brian Tyler, Henry, and Jennifer Lawrence are getting a lot of buzz around the movie. I was like, all these things sound great to me. Um, <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I watched the trailer. I was like, I feel like if I didn't already know what the movie was about, this trailer would just leave me very confused. And it, it's not, it's a weird thing to have like a teaser for. Like, I'm like, no, nah, like, I don't know. I feel like the, there's no reason to not make it in the trailer a little bit more obvious what it actually is about. Or maybe I'm just dumb and I didn't, maybe I didn't realize it. I mean, you, you tell me, but I feel like if I didn't know, if you didn't know what th- this is, I don't feel like the trailer makes it obvious enough. Not that I feel like they need to spell it out, but I feel like they don't even give you a chance to work out what's going on. So yeah, I, 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 I'm keen for the movie. 100%. Can't wait. Double thumbs down the trailer. Uh, I'm going to give the trailer one and one down. I think it is aiming to be more of a tonal piece than an actual like trailer trailer. Um, and it does an effective job of kind of setting the, the tone that I imagine the movie is going to follow through on. Uh, but yeah, I, I I had not read up on what the movie was actually about until I pulled this description for this episode. Uh, and I don't think you could have any idea of any of that information based on this trailer, which is fine. It just seems like an odd marketing choice. Like, that seems like something you would want to explore. But yeah, I, I'm excited. This looks like this is very different Jennifer Lawrence than anything we've seen in a while, at least. Obviously, she, she took that a bit of a break between... I think the last X-Men movie <laughs> and uh, when she came back to do Don't Look Up. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see her on the big screen again. And obviously Brian Tyree Henry's fantastic in everything he's in. So um, it's going to yeah. be a big uh, breakout performance for him. I think like, obviously he's quite known for um, Atlanta, I guess is his biggest surely role. Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, you know, not to say that he wasn't fantastic in Bullet Train and should be. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just doing a quick look. Well, he was in The Eternals. Okay. The Eternals. That was Big Hit. You're right? Nah, you're right. I mean, he voiced Spider-Man's dad in Into Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, yeah, so hopefully big things for him on the back of this. Uh but yeah, all right. Causeway is set to come to Apple TV. So not a big screen, but you know, you know what I meant. Uh, November 4th. Last trailer for this week is Shotgun Wedding, directed by Jason Moore, starring Jennifer Lopez, Josh Jumel, Sonia Braga, Jennifer Coolidge, Lenny Kravitz, and Cheech Marin. Darcy and Tom get their lovable but very opinionated families for the ultimate destination wedding, just as the couple get cold feet. But suddenly everyone's lives are in danger when the entire party is taken hostage. The couple must work together to save their loved ones if they don't end up killing each other first. Dylan, what did you think of the trailer for Shotgun Wedding? Um, I absolutely hated the first, like I guess most people, I hated the first, what, like 35, 45 seconds, whatever, of the trailer. I was like, this ain't for me. I'm not the, this just looks like a throw. I was like, but I was thinking, like I'm watching, I'm like, it's been a while since we've had just like a straight rom-com, I guess. So, all right, fair enough. 
<laughs> you don't think so? I, I I think we get rom-coms all the time. Maybe. Or maybe it's just it felt more like a mid-2000s rom-com. Or something about it just felt like... Like you know, a Jennifer Lopez early... Yeah, like a, early, like a 2000s Jennifer Lopez rom-com. rom-com yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, then it has the swerve. And I was like, all right, never mind. I'm in. <laughs> <It was like, laughs> which, which is the thing. Um, I got Jennifer Coolidge with a um, bloody machine, machine gun. gun. Yeah, I'm all about it. Can't wait to watch it. Double thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, this might be one of the better crafted trailers of the year. Um, just the incredible build of the trailer too. <laughs> From basic rom-com, basic wedding story, you think you know where it's going, and then bam, bunch of mercenaries come out of nowhere, start killing and shooting everybody up and taking hostages. Um, yeah, I just... Incredibly crafted trailer. I got it has to be two thumbs up. I mean, I don't think if they had have just pitched the idea of wedding, uh, if if it had just been the cut from the if you didn't have that first thirty five seconds, I don't think we'd be talking about this movie. I think it's the build up to the 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 to the, the action element. It's the swerve. It's the swerve. They're kind of like captured everybody's attention yeah you saw all the tweets going around like you'll never believe what happens in this trailer <laughs> and that kind of stuff um that kind of made it a little bit of a viral sensation uh yeah i'm very excited for this one just craziness uh good for jennifer lopez uh so this is coming to prime video on january 27th 2023 so look forward to that all right let's wrap up this week's episode of what do you want to watch with our what do you want to watch Top three. Definitely in the top three. Uh, and this is the last episode we're going to release before Halloween. So I figured, how about we have our top three movies to watch this Halloween? Uh, Dylan, what is your number three? Oh, what I want to say first off is that, so my list is just, I've went for uh, recent horror, uh, horror, horror movies that, you know, you should watch from this year. This is what my criteria was. Now, I can't wait for you to come out and be like, fucking Bud's fucking air, like Mike 2, and uh, Christmas Story. You know, like, some bullshit <laughs> is what I'm expecting. Anyway, number one, or number three, whatever on my list is Prey, the Predator sequel uh, movie that came out a couple months ago. Uh, it's on Disney. We place to watch it. But anyway, Hulu, if you're in America, it is the best Predator movie we've had since the original Predator. Um, it is very good. It's probably has, it has better character than the original movie. Uh, not quite as violent, I guess, if that's what you're looking for, but I feel like it is definitely a very good movie and the best Predator movie by far and a great pick for Halloween. So there you go. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm, my picks are a bit, uh, I feel like tied into different things that yeah. happened this year that yeah, yeah, here we go. Uh, feel fitting. So my number three is Studio 666. This is, of course, the uh, Foo Fighters uh, horror movie that they filmed uh, in lockdown, I want to say, uh, in which they are recording in their next album at a house uh, that, and then, you know, Dave Girl gets possessed by a demon. I thought this was a documentary. Uh, no, it is surprisingly not a documentary. Uh, but it is the last film appearance of Taylor Hawkins, as far as I'm aware. So uh, that is why I'm uh, recommending it. Also, it's a bit of fun. So uh, even though it does go a little long, uh, 
I've, I had a good time watching it in cinemas earlier this year, so I believe it is out on all a bunch of streaming services now, so you can check that out this Halloween. Dylan, what's your number two? My number two is The Black Phone, Scott Derrickson's uh, film starring Ethan Hawke as a creepy dude who kidnaps kids and um, keeps them locked up in his uh, basement. Uh, very good movie. I was very much looking forward to it. I feel like I was never going to watch it and then finally got around to it. Uh, it has that sort of 80s throwback vibe setting, everything going for it that everyone loves at the moment because of Stranger Things, of course. Uh, Ethan Hawke isn't in, in it, yeah, isn't in it as much as you probably would like. However, he is very creepy whenever he is on screen. Um, but yeah, the thing I talked about on here when we, episodes ago, whenever I watched it, that is the standout is the kids. I think the kids, the cast is really good. In particular, the sister in this, she's fucking great. I absolutely like, I've had a chance to rewatch this yet, but I, I can't wait to just for the part of the one scene where she's like, says, fuck you, God. <laughs> I still think about it. It's probably one of my favorite, like, <laughs> like lines I've seen someone deliver this, this whole year. So, um, very, one of the best, uh, horror movies come out this year. And, um, I think like it's a, it's like, it's one you could watch with the family. As weird as the sound, you'll be like, oh, would you watch a horror movie with family? But I mean, like, if you're picking a horror movie to watch, with a fam- family night horror movie. Like, there's nothing like, you know, there's no, like, it isn't sore. Like, there's no fucked up, like, shit. It's just a, it's just a it's creepy horror movie. All right. My number two. Yeah, here we go. Paranorman. The Leica stop motion animated uh, <laughs> comedy horror film. Uh, it follows a young boy named Norman who can communicate with ghosts. And he's given this task to, like, uh, and the witch's curse. There's a bunch of zombies attacking his town. Uh, you know, it's 10 years old at this this year. Uh, of course, you got Wendell and Wild, another stop motion animated film about to release. Get in the spirit of stop motion animation uh, and check out one of Laika's best films. Uh, a, a company that does a bunch of fantastic films. So yeah, Paranorman. Check that one out this Halloween. Any critiques? No, <laughs> I can't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My number one is. X, uh, probably my favorite horror movie that's come out so far this year. Of course, I'm very keen to watch Pearl, uh, which I'm sure I'll watch next year. Fucking yeah, because A24 continues. Fucking A24 just fucks me. Like, I mean, <laughs> the number of people who are very upset that it, everyone it's come in to Australia, like, I've seen people outside of Australia, like in Europe, very upset as well. So, well, I, mean, they, I, I think they get fucked too. That's the thing. Yeah. I don't understand. Like, either A24, like, like widen your distribution. Or uh, pick why are, partners I mean, in why the different are, countries yeah. to distri- distribute the movies for you. I don't understand. Well, like, I, I guess the question is why aren't these other distribution companies in other countries like? Why hasn't someone just done a blanket deal? Why? At this maybe point? they have. They won't accept it. But this is the thing. I don't understand. Like, if they're like, "Look, we're a small company. We don't have the ability." That's fine. I understand. But that's when you make a partnership with a company here in Australia to distribute a twenty-four film, so we get them day and date. Because it's it's ridiculous. It, anyway, that's a whole fuck. Do we place. need to start a distribution? <laughs> Maybe because I'd fucking it's doing my fucking head in. Like it's not just these horror movies. It's like all the A twenty four movies. It's it's absolutely oh, it's just rubbish. The what was I talking about? X right. X is a of course talked about it on here before. Uh, very good. Uh, for I think it's like seventies. I can't remember. I think it's seventies where it's set. But they basically the the setup for the movie is you got Mia Mia Goth as the the lead. A uh, bunch of people they set out, including um Kid Cudi. Uh, they set out. <laughs> that's always like my shout out. Oh, and Jenna Ortega, uh, like the 
notable names, I guess. Uh, they set out to to this farm where uh, the main dude, the older dude, he's like uh, rented out this little cabin that's owned by this old couple, and the, he's told them that they're just gonna stay there. They're just chilling. They're, you know, they're just hippies. They're just gonna smoke weed and um, have a good time. Secretly, they're they're out there to film a porno. They want to make a they want to make a porn film. Uh, and get ahead of the, the times. This is when porn films are not like, uh, you know, this is, it's coming in. These are going to be the, the thing, you know, this is going to be a hit thing. Uh, but yeah, it turns out the old couple, they got some weird shit going on and there's some secrets we had there. And, uh, before you know it, people start dying. So, but, uh, very, just a lot of fun. It's a wild ride. The cast is great. Um, it's a sleazy, sleazy, gruesome movie, but that's totally what, you like about it like i feel like if you go into this you know what you're after and i um it hits on all uh notes if you know exactly what you're after from this movie um and then it did so well but the, uh, so well that they pushed out the that that pearl prequel thing which by all accounts everyone says is uh even better so i'm like fucking yeah all right let me watch it if it's even better i love that so um and then they're they're doing a <laughs> ty west is already now so he's gonna film another one so fucking this franchise literally came out of nowhere um People say that no one likes to watch original horror movies anymore. No, you're wrong. All right. My number one. Yeah, here we go. The Addams Family. The 1991 (laughs) supernatural black comedy, uh, black comedy film uh, following the family, the Addams Family, you know, macabre, bizarre, uh, aristocratic family, uh, you know, good times. Of course, the Wednesday series is coming. Oh, is next that why? Month. Is that why? Oh, that's the tie-in. I didn't, I didn't get the yeah. tie-in. That's crazy. That's a good point. Yeah. That's good. I didn't. That's, yeah. So that's really, why it's my number one. It's the, it, it's the most relevant. You know, prepping for something later on, but is also relevant for Halloween. Are you yeah. actually going to watch anything for Halloween? I don't know. Have you ever watched anything for Halloween? Have you ever on October thirty first sat down and gone, "Fuck, it's Halloween. I better watch. I better watch a scary movie tonight." I mean, not unless we've had to watch a scary movie no, or something. That's, that's the answer. Because like so, no. <laughs> I will. Like, that's the thing. Throughout my whole life, I've been like, October 31st. Not like I need a reason, but it's like, well, i got to watch a horror movie. Well, well, maybe I will now just to, I'll find something. You better watch something. In the vein of the no, three no. things I just listed no, to no. I wanna, piss you off. <laughs> I want to see you tweeting October 31st that you're watching an actual horror movie. I'll, I'll even take like. What? These are actual horror movies. Nah, Adam Sandler is not a horror movie. Okay, that, that just, one was a bit of a stretch, but that's no, just because the other two doesn't make them fucking horror movie. Like, Paranorman wow. is not a horror movie. It's a it kid's says movie. horror in the description. Yeah, if you're tw- wow, kids can. can't enjoy horror esque movies. <laughs> you're an adult. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't right adults love kids animated horror movies? Yeah. Yeah. Why does everything have to be jump scares? You haven't the even watched Paranorman, says, so what do you even I have doing? watched Paranorman. I did watch it 10 years ago when it came out. What was the animated? No, there was, def- uh, there was definitely one that you hadn't watched. I, I watched that, and I watched the Haunted House one where the house comes alive. I watched all these The House, yeah. Yeah, watched all of them. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. All right, <laughs> let us know what your top three movies that you would watch this Halloween. Let me know what I should watch this Halloween, apparently. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, and uh, maybe I, like, I will not watch it. Fucked up. They don't want to be like, oh, you should watch fucking Saw. Or you should watch fucking um, uh, an Ari Aster film, or you know, so- <laughs> crazy. Just just watch something that's not. You could you could watch something mildly horror, and I'm totally. I'll watch Shaun of the Dead again. Uh, Shaun of the Dead. I'll even take that. 
I'd even take that. That counts. <laughs> Let us know at explosion uh, by going to explosionnetwork.com slash Twitter or jump to Discord at explosion.com slash Discord. If you want to help us out here at What Do You Want to Watch, leave us a review up a podcast, Podchaser. Uh, leave us five stars anywhere we can leave five stars or just tell people about the show. And if you like this episode, Thor's Worth a Dollar, head on over to our coach page at explosion.com slash support. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.